Here we go, spring of 2021. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast, episode number 115. We do a checkup with me on the muzzleloader hunting and a buck that I'm still chasing. And we also get into our winter series of how to buy land. Today we're going to get into the first topic of the seven key components or key features um, when buying hunting land from my perspective. I'm joined by Weston. Well, hello. Well, hello, Weston. How we doing? We're doing well today. It's uh, we're, we're officially experiencing um, winter. It, it, yes. It's uh, these last couple of days have really the old cold snap. Yeah, and I think some of, I've seen some action, kind of, um, with deer responding to it. I essentially guessed wrong on the days I was hunting. So yeah. I'm trying to think back. I hunted Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoons. Oh, today is today's Wednesday. The last Today, day of Muzzleloader. Today's the last day yeah. of Muzzleloader, yes. And then I hunted, <clears throat> I skipped Monday and I hunted last night. Um, I think, fr- I, I saw a lot of deer Friday and Saturday. I did not see a, a shooter buck. And I think it was still warm. What, yeah. Saturday afternoon even it was still warm? Yeah. And then Sunday it started getting cold. Or Sunday afternoon was still warm too, and I think it started getting cold Sunday into Monday. Well, Sunday was super windy, correct? Was that Sunday? Yes. Like extreme winds. Oh no, the wind did a lot of weird stuff. So the wind, it was dead calm Saturday night, which I thought was gonna be good, and it mm-hmm. was good. I saw a pile of deer, um, just no bucks. And then Sunday was windy all day, calmed down right at the right time at night. But it, it well, this is what the weather said it was gonna do. And then it was going to go from, like, 37 at 6 o'clock on Sunday all the way down to, like, 18 Monday morning. Yeah. So I thought Sunday night was the, the ticket. Yeah. And it stayed, like, really – it stayed way windier than what it was supposed to. Yeah. And it never – maybe because of that <clears> – <throat> maybe because it was still warm two hours after dark. It, I don't know. I didn't see anything, really. And then Monday I had work to get done and I kind of scheduled it thinking that Monday would be the day that it'd be really windy and cold. I didn't expect, I didn't expect much of the movement to happen then. I haven't seen most movement and the mature bucks are out when it's calm and it seems to help if it's sunny out. I don't know. That buck that I'm chasing around right now has only been out in daylight when it's sunny. It's kind of weird. Um, and then Monday he he was daylighting at like four o'clock, so like almost forty-five minutes until shooting time. And went out last night for Tuesday, which I thought Tuesday was going to be really good because I thought the day after that sustained wind and cold, mm-hmm. plus there was some snow Tuesday. Yeah, the flurries yesterday morning. I thought 
Tuesday afternoon was going to be good because it got calm last night. And I didn't see a deer. So do you think more movement before, like, the cold snap or the front comes? Well, this one, it, so, like, is that this, the way, this is, a, is that the way it's been seeming? No. It, In this? No? Okay, so this one, it took place, like, during. Yeah. All the movement happened Monday. Like, it was a lot of deer moving Monday morning into Monday, even Monday during the day, and then Monday afternoon would have been great. Sure. Um, so, but that, and I would classify, <clears throat> I'd classify that, like, during the front, like, moving in. Okay. Previously, and this is what I used my experience on during gun season when I'm chasing the same buck, we had a similar type of front action happen where the next day was going to be really cold, and there was one last warm day before the cold day. Sure. And he fucking daylighted then. Yeah. He, he daylighted when it was like 50 that night before, the before, before the cold. Yeah. So that's how I played it this time, thinking, well, the cold day is going to be even worse because it's supposed to be like 20-mile-an-hour winds right, all so day. Right, so like, you played the before or the front game. I played the before, and it was during. Just goes to show, man. Yeah, it's tough. They're not 100% cons- consistent. And of course, we have Wednesday is the last. Today is the last day of muzzy season. Yep. We have a giant snowstorm coming Friday, so I'm assuming Thursday tomorrow would be a really good day to be out there. Hey, T zone uh, starts tomorrow. Yeah, cool. You 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 go out and see a pile of dough. I'm sure. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> I don't know how to handle that. I really needed to kill some dough because I've one night, sun Saturday there was like ten to fifteen I saw. Jeez. And not a buck. Like I definitely need to kill some dough, but. It's tough when you're trying to keep things calm around there. Mm-hmm. But we're also getting, after today, back in, back holding a bow, chasing bucks. It sucks. I thought I was going to get it done this week. Yeah. I, I mean, when the weather was lining up for the weekend, plus I knew this buck was still around because I had a couple nighttime photos of him during the week when it was warmer. Is this the buck that you had in my scope and didn't pull the trigger? Yeah. Yeah. Same one. Yeah. Old one eye came was on camera last I night. Say, I was gonna ask. He's he's like previous. popped back a couple times, um, and then curly. I have n- don't think I have um, verification that he's still alive after gun season. But I think I had him like one night during gun season late. Tacticam cameras have been trash. They haven't been working very well. Really? Mm-hmm. Been watching a lot of deer walk by cameras without them sending me a picture. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. And I walk by a couple cameras on the way to, to where I'm hunting, and sometimes I take a picture, sometimes it doesn't. Started doing this weird thing where I was taking pictures, sending pictures in like an hour later. Oh. I'd gotten a new tactic cam, like the newest one. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if that messed it up when I put it out there. And Did all you? The, so maybe we can attribute this back to the... Did you ever do the update? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you did or not. Yeah, I did the updates. Now I'm trying to think if I did the updates on these. Because the two cameras I broke the antennas on. Yep. When I ordered the new type of camera, I got antennas sent too. So those two were sent out to the field. I bet those two haven't been updated, actually, now that I think of it. That could be attributing to the issue. The brand new one was one of the problems. Oh, well, that's not good. No. I know. I watched a deer walk. I'm like, "What is that? Deer? What is that? Why is that not taking? Why is that not taking a picture?" And then I sent like a, I like messed with the settings in my app and like sent, I like changed the settings of, 
when it sounds like yeah. something and it started working. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I I have three Tacticams out and I just haven't been getting like consistent pictures, but I just attributed that attributed to that not to, being around. Yeah, more pressure and not <clears throat> as consistently. And so did around. I, and I think that that did happen this last week. I think that it was probably the the calmest or quietest any cameras have been since I don't know, since I had them out. Yeah. Like I didn't have a buck on camera at our lease for like I don't know, four days. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I had say. Had one last night finally. The old broken half rack still there, still kicking. That's cool. I think uh, I'm not sure what the, what to think of. I think this happened last year, if I remember correctly, where it's just the old December lull. <laughs> kind of, where it's not cold enough for them to be pushed hard to the food yet. Well, there's that. <clears throat> There's the theory that the old second rut here is gonna be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I know that that's supposed to be a thing that happens at some point. Like no. F- hold on. Got weirdos calling me in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> Come on. I I don't know. The second rut thing is. I mean, I've never really gotten too aggressive um, when hunting like late season. Mm, shocker. So I. <laughs> I've never experienced the whole second rut, but well, like I saw a pretty solid running action take place the last week in a gun season. I don't. I get what the idea is. Like partial part of the idea is that there's um, older fawns that go into heat for the first time late. Okay. Um, so that does make sense. I just know that there are certain people that are really believe in it. Yeah, and it's but I I I almost attribute it more to it. I don't know if it's I don't know if there's much starting and stopping. I think it's probably still happening in places, but maybe yeah, if there's like a batch of young fawn or old old fawns that do go into heat, you know, I would I'm sure it sets things off. Yeah, I've seen it like on cameras, but it's it is random and it's like one day. And yeah. Like right around this time, second week of no- December. I'd say if you have a buck in your area, you definitely could be sh- should be hunting it right now. Like the ones I have, I mean they're round, they're not consistent, but they've they've stepped out. I just got unlucky with that buck, man. He just stepped out in daylighting every single time I wasn't there. Huh. Not every time, but <clears throat> a couple times I wasn't able to hunt them, and I probably should have been. But I just picking you rank days and trying to get still get work done and stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully tonight and get something going. Gonna get after tonight, huh? I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> Last night muzzy. Gotta. Did you go muzzy hunt? You don't have a muzzy. I do not. I want a muzzle loader. But you went small game hunting. I did, yeah, on Saturday. Um, just went to some reserve land and pff, mostly hunting for pheasants. So we were just walking in like some of the tall grass, some of the CRP stuff, just kind of kicking around. No, didn't have a dog or anything. 
Um, and then didn't see a single one. And then um, get after a couple squirrels, but just so much room for them to freaking navigate and get away. Just uh, never really came up with anything. Everything's pretty skittish in the woods right now after yeah. everything was has been molested for nine days. I mean, yeah, I I pulled up on a squirrel that was probably about the size of my hand, like the palm of my hand. Oh, you, you let a squirrel walk? Yeah, a very small one. I was like, I don't know, what's the, I had a 20 gauge, I'm like, what's the point if I shoot this thing? You passed a squirrel. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't a mature squirrel. That's crazy. <laughs> it wasn't a three so and a half, think it, it was, wasn't a three and a half year yeah, old Yeah, you think it was just a um, half year old? Yeah, I think it was just a, a, fa- a squirrel fawn. fawn. A squirrel fawn? <laughs> a squan? A squan. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then I did some, um... European mount stuff this weekend as well on Sunday. How'd you do it? The old cut off and boil and cut off and boil. How'd you like that? I mean, it's not like my favorite process. This is like the, this is just the first time that I'm like doing it all myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know, like scooping out the brains and stuff just really gets me. I don't know, not my favorite thing. Did you eat them? No. Oh, my God, no. You didn't eat the brain? No, disgusting. No. I was, like, gagging while I was doing it, so no, I did not eat it. Um, it stinks really bad, doesn't it's it? It's pretty stinky. That's gross. I think the route to do it, if I were to do more, would be to go the beetle route. You just stick them in there, they eat it up, bing, bang, boom. Yeah. And you just do, like, the, you know, the final cleaning and stuff, but... Oof. Yeah. I have a buddy of mine too that wants me to do his and i was like well i'll do my booner six first a little practice like talking about it now the smell is coming back and i'm like tasting he's kind of grossing me out yeah so it's just something i was gonna do kind of on the side you know oh you want to actually get good at no it? i mean like yeah but if i was Not gonna anymore. do it it would be i would have to get beetles yeah beetles sure. yeah would be the do you have to get to beetles every single year mm-hmm so you just raise them? What do you yeah. feed them? and then they... F- meat. Meat? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they fornicate and create more beetles. Where would you keep them? Um, see, that's the thing. You have to have, like, a decently temperature-controlled That's place. disgusting. Like, in the basement? Mm, no. Well, like, a lot of people do it in, like, just such like, a shed. As long as it doesn't get super cold... Which, be super cold in a shed. Right. Well, unless it's They probably bring them insulated. in. Put it next to your bedroom. Hmm, no. Well, I, I've heard of people, you know, like an old chest freezer. Mm. It's really well insulated. Oh, I have one for you. Okay. Jory, yeah. one of my good buddies, scammed me and was like, hey, I have this chest freezer. I don't want it anymore. You can come get it. When it got works. it. It works. He Did he say it worked? Yeah. It doesn't work. And it... It, it plug it in and it runs. It just doesn't get cold. Mm. I've heard, you know, maybe like the Freon or something. Yeah. That's something maybe you should look into. Get that thing running. Yeah, I know a lot about... Uh, big big uh, cool, freezer tech guy. Cooling systems. <laughs> well, they're an important thing. Oh, they definitely are. Heating and cooling systems? Yes. Very important. I, have, I like I it. have like two buddies that know a lot more about it, so I just asked them. I like AC... And I'm really liking heat right now. 
Yeah, even though it was cold, you fucking barely have it on. <laughs> uh, that's a. Good, so you set your house at what? Sixty-eight. And it's sixty in here right now, I think. Oh, not next to this window. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. You are such a baby. I know, but. Yeah, so I did that. I wouldn't even be able to sleep in a place that was 70. I had to sleep in a hotel. They don't go lower than 70. I was sweating my ass off. It was terrible. Yeah. Well, I'm in an older house, too, so it's not the best insulated either. Especially our... A couple upstairs. nights this week when it got cold, I could, you know, like, nice. I can feel the wind coming from the window. <laughs> like, the old mm. farmhouse, yeah. The well. old farmhouse. And you get plastic wrap on the windows. Mm-hmm. I did that last week, too. A lot of our upstairs windows just because the wind really especially when it was yeah when it was windy it's just ripping through oh it's terrible and you can just yeah you can feel it you're like oh good a nice cool breeze on the old neck while i'm trying to it's sleep. so nasty dude yeah. it's so nasty i hate it so part of we're trying to figure out what to do for this winter on the podcast i think we're gonna try to get some good guests in mm-hmm. um but we're gonna start kind of focusing somewhat on on the real estate stuff since if you do need to buy or sell land you can get a hold of me you can visit driftlessregionland.com or call me at 608-606-9118 weston actually got his real estate license we're putting it in out in the world right now so he actually finishes it and gets done with it well because he's a little bit slower I i have not i do not have the license what did i say you said i have my license oh i thought i said you got you got the course to get your license nope so I have started the course. Um, that's probably where the direction of 1080 Outdoors is is moving towards. Is uh, um, you know, we got into the land consulting in a way last year. Some land management. We still sell grizzly blinds, and then we have this podcast. But we're probably gonna start pushing things more towards the acquisition of land or the selling of land. I think most people on here are probably looking to buy land. Um, so we're going to try to focus on that more, but you know, it's, I do business in Wisconsin and I really can travel most places. I help a lot of people digitally as well. Um, it's the same type of relationship I had with landowners when I do, uh, those digital kind of assessments of their hunting property. We're doing the exact same thing, um, for clients now that are, looking to buy land so the the properties they select within their range of of pricing or acreage whatever the you know kind of the idea of what they want go in and find a lot of properties for them get on zoom calls and uh break down why each property is good why it's bad what the pricing looks like it's uh you know i'm helping people right now that are looking to to buy land over in Madison, mm-hmm. you know, help people in Crawford County, Vernon County, Lacrosse County, really anywhere in the southwest region of Wisconsin. Um, but the agency that I operate under now is Compass Realty, and we have an office up north in Clear Lake, Wisconsin, and I have a, a really good, competent uh, um, agent up there that's handling land. Uh, so we really can, whether I'm directly helping you or helping you buy land or sell land, um, or if you're up north or in different parts of the state, I have good resources for agents in those areas, and we'll make sure to help you. I think the key is, and I've learned that from being in it now for six months, is 
the agents um there's just not a lot of agents who have who can even speak the language i guess like speak the hunting language and be able to even get their clients or people to the point or to the property that they need to um yeah you know there's a lot of other good things that we do on the listing side as far as the marketing and um videos and photos and you know we have a lot of strengths on that side but when you're looking to buy land um having someone who understands what good hunting land looks like even from a aerial view and then being able to step foot on that ground and you know take a lot of what you're wanting to do and make it become a reality while guiding you through the process because the process is is just you know it's extensive um I I know there's a lot of people who probably don't like or love paying realtors, but um, huh. I did it. The first properties I bought, like I yeah. paid a realtor for I mean, it. Yeah, when, and we, when we bought our house, just not having to do all the underwriting stuff and all the it's you you it's just impossible forms. for you to it's impossible for for you to. I mean, the amount of forms that I signed to know that the fact that I did not have to get them myself. And get them ready, and yeah, it's well worth whatever the percentage fee for a realtor, if yep. you ask me, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's obviously, I mean, that is my opinion. I get it. Like, there's a lot of people who can do it on their own, um, but if you don't have a law background or even a background of being able to read these legal documents, because they don't make it easy. It's just like anything else wrapped up into the government. They don't make it simple for people to... And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be overly simple, but there is a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, you know, I always <clears throat> just like paying an accountant. It's just like paying insurance agent. It's like anyone who has knowledge in a thing that you're trying to acquire or be a have or be a part of. Um, you can definitely go down the road on your own in some situations and you can go keep an eye on land land and farm.com or zillow and kind of always be spinning your wheels I'm, I'm gonna buy land someday but i'm here to tell you the best day to buy land was yesterday and it's it's not even close it's just we're, what we're experiencing in wisconsin right now and when you look around the country if these big cities keep wanting to install these mandates and be psychopaths people are going to leave more and more and more and a normal job where someone can work remotely from new york or chicago makes a hell of a lot more than a normal job in our area so whether you like it or not <clears throat> there has been a mass exodus to areas like ours and land increase has taken place um, as far as price per acre more in the last 18 months than we've seen probably in the last 15 years now, with the, with that being said, I shouldn't say that. What's 15 years ago? What, 2006? 2006. You know, it's probably more, it's probably raised, it raised about $1,000 an acre in the last 18 months, maybe 1500 in some areas. And it's probably, it's probably similar to like a seven-year increase previous to that. Um, not 15, 15 is too much. 2006, I think land was still going like 1,500 an acre, 1,000 an acre. 
And I still remember my dad complaining about that. <laughs> After he got, he was complaining about, you know, a property that, and I get it, everyone's in different positions in their life and they got to, you know, buy houses or buy whatever they want to buy for their family. Um, but I remember the story my dad tells where he had an offer to buy <clears throat> with my uncle, you know, a big chunk of property for 250 bucks an acre. Do it. So 100 acres, the guy paid $25,000. 100 acres. I think it was a 94, 95-ish type time range. God bless it. So, I, yeah, early 2000s when I started being competent to even understand what was going on, I remember my dad complaining about $1,000 an acre, $1,500 an acre, $2,000 an acre, yeah. $3,000 an acre. I'd love to have that back. Now we're up to four, forty five hundred if you're lucky, if you're five. getting the bigger parcels and really if you're looking at smaller parcels, you're you're over five. Um, with that being said, have we ever had a period of time, especially in this area where it's gone backwards? No. I could see residential the residential market market taking some type of correction or some type of step back. Um, and that is very possible, but most likely it's not happening in land it'll you know the verbiage is they don't they don't make any more of it and when you start looking into the driftless region southwest wisconsin wisconsin in general is getting a lot more reputation as far as hunters go as as a big buck state i was been picked through and you're looking at eight to ten thousand dollars an acre in places in iowa you know wisconsin is the logical place you know some of minnesota too where people are going to start moving to and those land prices are going to start creeping up so it's not a bad time to buy it just feels like it because if you start looking at shit from a year and a half ago it's not going to feel great with what you have Mm -hmm. but that's the way it always is that's how real estate is i mean it's unless you're active you're losing um and you're always going to feel like you have you should have taken something, bought something. I look at when I first was pushing hard to buy um, property three, four years ago. I look at the properties I looked at and I got scared and didn't really understand the the lending side of it. Didn't understand even the whole process at all. And both the properties that I was close to trying to push to make a deal on, I could have sold and, and flipped and done and made really good money on them. There is, and I can tell you this from an agent perspective, there is people who want a turnkey type property. So if you are willing to go in to take a degraded, you know, less popular looking property, you know, there's a lot of agricultural properties here that in this area that have been kind of overgrazed, overused, abused, and they don't look the greatest, but those things can be restored, regenerated. And it can look really nice. You go put in some trails. You go put. You go use some. Use a chainsaw. You make it easy to get around the property. You get rid of some of the invasive species. All the while pulling some timber off the property to get some revenue into your pocket to pay help pay for part of the property. Um, and all. And then maybe you want to sell it and make make some money. It, it can be done. There's a lot of people who want turnkey systems. And if you know what you're doing when it comes to hunting, you can set a property up for someone to walk into and have some success, at least feel like they can have success. Like when you walk a property with well-maintained trails, with tree stands set up, with trail cameras available, with pictures of bucks that you can see, that property is going to sell quicker. It just is, 100%. So it's not like you're backing yourself into a poor deal. It's just not going to be a bad deal. I'll put put my name, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, but... I feel very confident that 
our pricing in this area is not going to go backwards and you're going to be looking and sitting in 10, 15, 20 years and be really pleased with what we have. Look back at the 94 situation, 250 bucks an acre. Now we're up to, you know, that property could sell for 45 to five probably because it's really good land. So we're looking at a $450,000, $500,000 exit. You know, and it's got a cabin on it now, so it's probably more like five fifty six. Guy bought it for twenty five thousand dollars. He paid for it. See, we don't get me wrong; we're not living in the best time ever to buy land. He bought that property <clears throat> and was able to pay for it with timber over over five years. Yeah, because timber prices, weirdly enough, weren't that different then. So you could go and buy property, log it, and damn near pay for it. That's wild. It's not like that anymore. No. Not even close. And, you know, it's... That's why public lands are so popular now, and I'm all for it. But if you want to have your own piece that you can control, manage, it's just there's not much like it. There's not much like managing land. Seeing the things that you do to it, change it. Seeing how animals react to it. Having success... I mean, without killing a deer, I don't think I could have had any more success this year hunting. I saw um, every shooter. I saw Curly along the road. But I didn't see him hunting. Um, but I saw multiple shooters while hunting. Pretty much all the ones that I had on camera that I, I like know of. You know, I was like four or five of them. Saw all of them. Saw tons of deer. Saw ton, all, the, all the next... St- all the next age shooters that, you know, that would be future shooters. I saw them and most of the situations had opportunities at shots, um, at some point, you know, so it's, it was, it was wildly successful. I saw pheasants, I saw turkeys, um, everything about what we've already done on this property is it's, it's, it's hard to match that feeling um, and then we're only we're only a year and a half, two years in. So we're gonna do a little series of what to look for when it comes to hunting land, the top considerations. Um, and really, this breaks down like if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to buy some hunting land." Um, you know, first question is what is your price range because that kind of eliminates or um, gets us in the right region. So say you have a price range, and then. The next question would be like, well, how many acres do you want? Are you, are you, you know, you want more wooded? You want more open? You want more, um, you want something with a house on it? Do you need something with a house on it? Uh, do you want well? Do you want electricity? So those are kind of the first areas of topics that we cover so we can nail it down. Um, and then we look at, and if I was to give advice for buying hunting land, these are the top considerations I would choose Number one, access, which is what we're covering today on the podcast. Two, topography. Three, number three, which would be the big three, food, cover, water. Four, blank canvas. Five, timber value. Um, Six, the neighborhood. And seven, bonus items, well, electricity, structures, etc. So we're going to go through all seven of them over the next seven weeks or whatever. If we have a guest on, maybe we'll push it out a week. But we're going to cover each of them individually. And today we're going to be covering the access part of hunting land and what I'm looking for and what I consider to be good access. All right. So I look at access 
as the number one consideration to have when acquiring or buying hunting land, especially if you're looking at hunting land that can give you um, quick success. Because access most likely is a lot of things is something that you can't really um, manipulate. As we go through this list, I have access number one, topography number two, you can't really manipulate that. It kind of plays a role in access. You know, the big three, food cover, water, you can manipulate that. Blank canvas is the point of manipulation. Um, timber value, you know, that's kind of a, a set standard thing. You can't really change too much of that when you first step on the item, on the uh, uh, property. And then obviously, you know, the neighborhood you can't really control. And bonus items, the well, electricity structures and stuff, you can always add those. Um, so I think access is definitely the one thing that you can't really go in and change too much of it in certain situations so i prefer a top point of access and a bottom point of access point of access especially in this area where we're dealing with hills so you're always going to be having most likely ridge top type fields or bottom lowland fields and then the hills or the woods is going to be you know the steeper side slopes that can't be farmed and then whether you want, so say you have a bottom field that you're hunting, you'd like to have bottom access to it because you don't want to walk through all the woods to get down to that field. And then maybe, you know, maybe your bucks or your deer are bedding up in the woods on those, on those hills while you don't want, as they come feeding past you into the supposed food plot area, you know, I like to be able to, to, to escape out a back door somehow because if you come in say an afternoon hunt and you're hunting an agricultural field or a food source you might walk through that field to get to your stand because there's not going to be any deer in the field in the afternoon um, but you're not going to probably want to walk out of that same field if you're going to have deer feeding out to you and then moving out into a you know major food source so what I see in this area a lot is you have these big ridge tops that are, you know, just one big monoculture of corn or soybeans and or even whatever in a dairy situation you have row crops of, of uh, alfalfa and, and corn. In those situations, you know, you're walking out. There's not much you can do. Like I've hunted those properties before. There's no structure. You're wide open to the world. And it's really difficult to get in and out of. Um, if you had a bottom access place that you could you could, you could fall at the back at night or come up through in the morning, it'd be much more advantageous. There's a common thing with access I see around here because people try you know they split up big farms or big parcels. So there's sometimes where these like these square forties, and we had it with a lease with our lease property a couple years ago where it was two forties on top of each other and 80 and then a long narrow, um, like access point to the property. And it was terrible because you had to go through the whole, like you had to go so far to get to the section of the woods that was yours. And it's so bottlenecked down that you can't go any other way. You can't trespass. So every single time you put pressure on a certain chunk of that area um it was well known where you're coming from right so if you were to be hunting especially a weekend warrior type situation 
Well, every weekend you slam your car door and you start heading off on that trail. You have to walk down or drive down and there's hills on the edges of it or (laughs) there's just areas that probably overlook where bucks are bedding and just the sound in itself, you're letting everybody know that you're coming. And then there's no, that's the way you're heading out. That's the way you're coming in. It was, uh, it was difficult. I knew right. I did it because we were looking for a lease and it was like no other really options. Um, but I knew it was the only year we we're going to lease it. Cause it just wasn't nothing about it was advantageous to access. And it really felt like we were ruining everything every time we went in there. Um, you know, those are the properties that is it a deal breaker to buy? Um, for me, if it's hunting property, yeah, it is. I mean, it's just not something, there's no way to get around it. If you have one of those hundred yard, 200 yard, um, type access lanes that you're bottlenecked down and then the property that you're hunting kind of opens up past it, it's just not, it's not advantageous to you. It's not advantageous to anybody. You're not going to do well. I don't think I really don't unless, unless you go door knocking on the neighbor's and get permission to access um, from their property, which, you know, when you're buying a property, you might want to do that before you actually buy it. So, you know, I like the farm that we have here because there's there's multiple different ac- multiple different access points, and I could get even crazier if I went, and I haven't really got permission from the neighbors yet. Um, but there, I can go out, uh, you know, the high ridge of a field which that wouldn't have been very fun to use as access or to leave from at night. But we planted a lot of structure. We broke it up. I have specific access lanes to and from each stand. And then when you get down to the woods where it's a little bit more, uh, you know, you're, you're pushing in a little bit further, all the stands have a bottom and top, you know, entry and exit. Um, so I have a good east side of the property is a road runs up a hill to a woods the field up on top i can i can blow out the back at night of a couple stands and get down to that road and theoretically you know most of the deer have moved past me they're out in the field feeding in the morning i go in from that road hopefully catching everything coming back from the field um and feeding through and i got close to it this year because we had pictures of curly i think it was second or third of november I had pictures of him throughout the night out in the field. I'm like, oh, he's still out there, like, as I'm getting ready to go down. Yeah. And I think one other camera, I mean, it was close. Like, I could have busted him because he was walking towards where I went in. We were, like, 10, 5, 10 minutes apart. I never saw him that day, so I don't know if I did bump him unknowingly, but there was no chance I'm coming through that field. Right. Would have never been able to to do it and i had some confirmation there was a buck on uh during gun season that was out in the field that i had pictures of um later i found this out and you know we had bumped him off accessing just a morning stand so it's nothing about it's perfect it's not it's it's pretty difficult to be perfect on it but when you set up situations and scenarios to capitalize and to you know put more giving yourself more opportunity and them less and a lot of that just comes from structure and and it sure is nice having grass and clover planted in fields and not 
uh, extremely loud corn stalks and soybean fields. Because when you walk through a frozen cornfield that has been cut, is there anything louder? Nope. Oh, there it's is nothing so louder. loud. It's so loud. It's terrible. Did I miss anything on the access stuff, Weston? No. I mean... It's just like the most important part just of... Just like looking at... Um, like the property that I have hunted the most in my life, my grandparents, it's strictly bottom, bottom access. access. And it's kind of what you talked about where it's the bottleneck where it opens. As you know, further you go back in the valley, obviously, then that's where your woods are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's tough. It's not, I wouldn't say it's really a bottleneck. It's just the fact that it's uh Well, it's like a horseshoe. Yeah, and it's downsloping, so all your hillsides that you would assume could be bedding Betty areas looking down are looking down watching those fields. Um, so the only thing would be to, like... And those fields have no structure. Put stru- I was just going to say the only thing yeah. to negate that you would could, be you could, structure. You, yeah, you could... But there is that creek bottom, which... That would be something that you could play into. So you yeah. plant maybe a screen along the creek bottom yeah. and, and be able to get in and get out from that way. You have no top access ever, so that kind of just sucks. Yeah. Um, because I can't imagine it's very much fun going. If you had legitimate food down there, it would not be very fun entering that place in the morning. Right. If you had actual food. And I have knowingly bumped quite a few deer off that bottom field. Knowingly. In the mornings? Yeah. Yeah. Ever have any problems at night, like leaving? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, God's gone today. Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> There they oh, are. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. 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 Yep, I see you. I hear you. Thank you. So, I mean, yeah, just from my perspective. That's a common type property in this yeah, area, too. The, where best, the best way to negate that would be some sort of structure to, mm-hmm. to sneak slither in. It's And it works. Like, yeah. I don't. It's crazy. That, I've been able to get into the box blind that we have set up. While deer are in the field, because mm-hmm. it's so sh- shielded from in front, you pop in. I start looking through the windows the second I shut the door, and you can see deer out there. Yep. And I can do the same thing at night when I leave. I can leave while deer are out in front of me. Yep. <clears throat> it's number one gets me to hunt a lot more because I don't feel like I'm putting as much pressure on it in certain spots. Right. And. uh Yeah, it's just limiting limiting that pressure is, like, the most important thing. I mean, I've seen the most consistent buck movement on this property this year than, you know, any property I've seen before, especially with being able to get in front of deer that I've had on trail camera. Bow hunting, it just didn't work out or had anything in range. I saw a ton of them. Um, you know, in gun hunting, we had those close calls, and plus the days that I just didn't, I wasn't out there and just guessed wrong. But... That's the thing, like, I'm in a position where I'm able to predict now things through weather, and I'm not worried about bumping them coming in and then coming out. Yeah. It's huge. And it was huge. The box blind, 100%, was helping with wind and scent. It's crazy. Even, and I'm not saying we built it that well, and there's definitely air that gets through it, but when we look at the situations that we've been in this year where the window was open, first when that window was closed, and it is... It's wild. Night and day. Yeah. So not only are we, you know, being able to sneak into a spot, 
these box blinds in the middle of fields gives you a lot more opportunity to get yeah. away with wind. Well, I mean, when I sat with you the one night of gun season, we saw, what, eight deer, and windows were stayed closed the whole time. And nothing got us, yeah. Nope, nothing got us. And, and a couple times where we'd open. They just went about, and then they were all within 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just went about their day, like. Yeah, I'm, I've had it where they're directly downwind to me now, too, and they don't, they're not getting me. It's crazy, because it doesn't seem like you're a better box blind builder than you thought. No, I'm not. <laughs> that box blind is well. I didn't build it. That was Jed and Joe, and it actually is well built. Uh, we have to we have to clean the windows up a little bit. Uh, other than that, it's well built. Ain't no grizzly blind though. <clears throat> no, not a grizzly blind. Here's what I'll say on the grizzly blinds: we're still selling them. Um, Weston's your go-to contact for it, but. I don't know, man. They, they might actually just be the easier thing to do now because I don't think lumber prices... Well, lumber prices are right now. They're back down. They're well, back down. Not I don't know. If you want to save some down. money, build them. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to build them, like, yeah, those those box blinds are awesome. Mm-hmm. They come, you know, you could get them insulated. You get the carpet on the floor. They're quiet. You know, one of the peop- one of the one of the guys that we did... Uh, a consult on his property last year because he bought them. So, you know, that's part of it. If you're in this area and you buy one of these blinds through us, we actually come out for a day when you set them up or whenever, and we'll do a we'll do a, a consult with you. And he killed a really nice buck in the spot that we picked out that day that I was on there with him in that blind. There you so go. it was a it was a cool experience for him. He was jacked up. Um, but so. uh we're going to keep moving through these these land ownership type considerations. You know, next week we'll do topography, and I'll be able to play that back in with the access to, um, and then we'll just go on from there. So, any other thing, Weston? No, I think you covered. Alrighty. What we wanted to talk about. Get out in the woods. If you're able to not be imprisoned by this uh, doe season only coming up. I recommend getting out Thursday, Friday. Depending on when that snow hits, maybe Thursday. Thursday night's probably gonna be fire, because I think it's supposed to snow all day Friday. Mm-hmm. Damn it! Ain't, ain't that just how it works? Ain't that? All right. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you.